All right, all right. From the brand new place. Drew, are we ready to go? I should actually. I feel like you're already going. Yeah, we're already going. Okay, we're already. Because, like, that, that question felt like. I'm pretending you have a choice, but you don't really have a choice. <laughs> I should probably adjust my uh, picture to be right on your microphone. That looks beautiful. Perfect. Well, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another Framecast. Framecast 14 this time. Um, a pretty interesting one. I've been I've been looking forward to talking around about this topic. We were actually going to do this last week. Now we're doing it this week because we had a sudden podcast. Um, surprise topic, actual topical topic. I don't know if you guys enjoyed the giveaways one, but we're going to be talking about single player games and are they a dying breed? How do you feel about the amount of single player games that are out on the market right now? Xeno. I, there's very few I can really count on my hand as of like, 2019 mm -hmm. i mean th there might be more that the audience can actually elaborate to but i'm thinking things like zelda's link's awakening um astral chain code vein the upcoming death standing you know mm -hmm. I, i'm we talk, i'm right now i'm talking like exclusively multiplayer games and even so Single things player. like astral Sorry, exclusively single-player games. Thank you for correcting me. But even so, Astral Chain has the ability to co-op. Code Vein has the ability to co-op. Uh, yeah, so it's... Do, do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. being exclusively solo seems to be dying. I think there's Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, heck, Mario Maker 2 is not exclusively solo anymore. All right, so shall we start off before we dive deeper into this discussion into finding our definition of single player games? Because I personally find that, yeah, you're right, that the exclusively solo single player game, which has no opportunity for going online or connecting to any form of multiplayer, is becoming very, very rare. But I do consider games that have a very main focus on solo player content that bring single player content but also offer multiplayer content because they have this feature called the internet which they didn't have so many years ago that they also decide to use that in case people want to to a site i can understand that i kind of feel that these games because they offer so much single player content i would classify them as single player content as well like well, I don't know about Super Mario Maker because it's very heavily dependent on, um, what is it, on, uh, what is it, uh, community content? But then again, it's like, you know, it it's an experience which can be very well had as a single player game. So I'm not really sure about my example, but would you agree on that or, or not? No, I think community driven games mm -hmm. um, can be just as much single player as anything else like you know um near automata is potentially one of my favorite single player games out there i mean i'm sure everyone knows that you know i i absolutely love that uh, near automata 
I was about to say franchise. Um, mm-hmm. The next is Blood Omen Legacy of Cain. Um, what are you... Okay. Um, what You know, th- th- there are a few games that, like, single player is absolutely fantastic, regardless of there being something like a community component. Yes, let me give you an example about a single-player game which does have some networking features, but I really feel stands out as a great single-player game. Uh, that's Persona 4 Golden. It's one of my one of my top-tier single-player games which I've played over the last few years. It's on this uh, rather dead console. Uh, welcome to Spooktober. On this rather dead console called the PlayStation Vita, which died in March of this year. But it's a really, really great game which has pretty much 99% of its content offline. You can play it on the go. It's a single-player story. But there's this one networking component where you can, like, help each other out or something in missions. But, like, I've never really used that. But I would consider that to be entirely a single-player game. I would classify that under a single-player game. Yeah, it has some networking components, but I would say single-player. I don't know if it's in there, but yeah. I, I, I would argue that Near Automata is the same. You know, it has mm-hmm. networking components where you can resuscitate and retrieve components from fallen players. Similar to games like Dark Souls, mm-hmm. right? There's no interaction like in Dark Souls 3 uh, with um, other players, but still, you know, it's, it's, it's still a brilliant game. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, trying to pour myself a drink, and it's ah, going wrong. Yeah. Right. So, I... one of my questions mm-hmm. to you is: Why do you think that there is such a huge preference for the production of multiplayer over single-player games? Mm, I've actually been thinking about this, about this answer that I have to this question in regards to another, um, to another set of, um, to another trend within the gaming industry, which comes down to handheld devices, which are also on decline. I think that both of these trends have to do with the casual community. Let me explain that. The casual community or the casual gamers that play Sudoku's. Uh, actually, they probably do more than Sudoku's, are very important to the game industry at large. One of the biggest successes of of a device like the Wii or the Nintendo DS was this, like, the super big influx of casuals, of like people that would just go to the shop, buy their kits at DS. They didn't know anything about gaming, but that was their game device because like everyone had that. and You, you could just pick it up and you could just play whenever you wanted. You could close it up. You could put it away. It's a very casual thing. And... Um, Back in the day, single-player games were very much focused like that. If you if you pick up a like new Super Mario Bros, you can turn on the game, you can play the very first level, it takes you like less than a minute or two, and you can put it away. Super casual, super nice. Now, though, what you find is with a multiplayer game like Fortnite, like Warframe, we have the bite-sized component in Warframe, we have even like a Call of Duty, it's super, super easy to just go online, play a quick match for like two, three minutes, and you're done. And the great thing that this this 
playstyle offers in a multiplayer setting is that you have you have other people around you and you can just do a quick match and it has a little bit more meaning than when you just like do a quick match against bots so it's very easy for people to just want to like casually play a game to like go out and just like do something online ah oh, just do something online and like the network is around at all times at the same time because this feature which had which was like quite new about 10 years ago where you know you could play against like multiplayer play against your friends play against people online has kind of been integrated in a lot of games it's like people take it for granted people look for it and even if they just pick up their mobile phone they're just like looking for a game where they can just play a quick match see how they compare to other people put it away whereas like the people that really love the single player games for what they were the enthusiasts are now kind of like being left behind because yeah they're their needs no longer overline with the casuals. That's what I feel is happening right now. My feeling is that if you were to give a player a multiplayer experience that that has the oh, for PvP, mm -hmm. right? Um, to a lesser extent, PvE to PvP, you have the vast opportunity to put less work in it and get significantly more results because the other players are effectively the difficult side of the content. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's one of the things where I say Warframe lacks on because developers can't create infinite infinite amount of content and a game which is very close to my heart modern warfare 2 because i played it for years i can still play to this day for hours it's the same maps it's the same content but it's the players that make it spicy i i think the biggest problem is that a lot of publishers Oh, look, Xeno's going for the publishers. Um, I think a lot of the publishers are out to maximize their profits, right? Mm -hmm. And focusing on easy-to-produce content is the way forward. I'm not, I'm not going to blame them for that. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. But the problem is that it doesn't interest or engage players that aren't interested in that sort of content. So what are you looking for in a single-player game that is missing out of the general multiplayer games which are being offered more and more? So there's a few different things I love about single-player games. Mm -hmm. One is the story right mm -hmm. does it have an epic slash excellent story that entertains all mm -hmm. right again near automata fell into that category for me or does it have replay value if it has next to no story dead cells dead cells is a game that i absolutely love and has little to no plot behind it Mm -hmm. right 
it is puzzle after puzzle, RNG, procedural generation, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's awesome and epic for those reasons. Mm -hmm. Right? As long as it can captivate my interest, I don't mind dumping hundreds of hours into a game. Mm -hmm. No, I can I can understand that. So it's it's basically the the gameplay mechanics on the one hand, and the the, the plot on the other hand. So like, if you have a really good story or a combination of both, but if you have a really good story and the mechanics are a bit crap, it's it's alright because the story is like really interesting. I had that with Persona Four, amazing story. Uh, but you don't necessarily need to have a good story because the heck is like the story in Mario. The yeah. gameplay is enticing. And if you can have a combination of both, that's great, but you can have one of these two pillars. I think that that is also something, especially the story element. But actually, now that I think about it, even more so, like the game integration, the gameplay mechanics, the, 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 fair, the variety within the gameplay is really, really attractive to me in the single player side of things. Because let's face it, a lot of the games that are out there right now which focus on multiplayer, which might be PvP, which is basically the standard matches, or PvE in the sense of like Warframe or in a game like Epic 7, um, which is very much multiplayer online focused. They're basically focusing you to like grind doing the same thing over and over again. It's like Warframe. It's basically one thing that you're doing. You're probably doing it in different settings, but you're doing the same thing over and over again. And it, it might like force like like illusion you to do something a bit different so it feels like an entirely different thing but like mobile defending capturing a target extermination assassination so like killing these enemies in the exact same way and you don't necessarily have that in a game like super mario galaxy which is which has very complex tiles because they're being developed as this experience where you go through these different um landscapes these different galaxies and it's like it's supposed to like wow you every time you get in there. Doesn't really happen in these in like games like Warframe. They try to, but their main focus is to like have you do this one thing. And the same thing with a story. It's like I really like Warframe story, but to say that it's a story game, I don't think so because for six years we've had very little lore, very little cinematics. If you compare that to like a real story game, I agree with you, and I think. Yeah, the the same with Dead Cells, the same with Oh gosh, what well, uh Mario, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's about if you have a good subset of tools. Oh, here's another one, Metroid, right? Mm -hmm. The Metroidvania series, the, yeah, okay, they they have some plot to them, but it's more about the gameplay experience, which is vital to these games mm -hmm. but let me let me let me try and see how you think about this so i we, we established that things like the gameplay and the plot are some of the things that make make single player games stand out over general multiplayer games are those Sorry. things yeah. not particularly enthusiast things like I can be really enthusiastic about like a good plot. I can really like that. Or I can really appreciate a good gameplay mechanic. But aren't we talking now on an enthusiast level, which 
in general, most people might like on a low level appreciate, but not necessarily everyone will care about. Can you repeat your question? I'm I'm not entirely sure I follow. So, do you feel that that the way that we appreciate the plot in a game or the gameplay elements within a game are those appreciations not us being gaming enthusiasts, or and and that the general audience doesn't really appreciate those things as much because they're more casually into gaming? Ah. <laughs> so first off i don't think it's about casual right one of the interesting thoughts had the that about gaming in mm -hmm. a nutshell is the competitive nature right so not to toot my own horn right did you see the game spot documentary that on warframe that came out yesterday i skipped right to the to the end when i saw your segment i watched that <laughs> is that all you watched i kind of skimmed through it it was like 30 minutes but i enough. did see it but i was like oh my god Xeno, he's in there. <laughs> but the 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 big thing is that i said it's about the gameplay for me right mm -hmm. very few games allow you to have the freedom of mo uh, mobility like Warframe does, mm -hmm. right? And you know, I, I was I was tooting the horn about how great the gameplay was, and I didn't care about the farming, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of players these days want that artificial ding. They want the golden halo around them to say, "I've got that thing," which is fair enough, but that also stems from another thing: mm -hmm. the competitive nature of people right i know a lot of people that get super excited about things like football cricket whatever sport doesn't really matter but they get super excited when their team wins right mm -hmm. or their team comes close to winning or that you know they are really passionate about it and likewise with things like fortnite people get really passionate about the pvp elements right Mm -hmm. They love that about that in general. So, unless it gets that element going, and I think we're going to strike all the 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 chords that every player wants. All right, let me let me recap that because you dropped out a little bit. So oh, sorry. don't worry about it. So one of the main features that multiplayer games have over single player games, you say, is the competitiveness, not just in beating people within like a PvP setting as Fortnite or as Call of Duty, but also in the sense of having things earlier than other people, having everything in a game like Warframe and being able to have that in this multiplayer setting where you can walk around with other people and like show off that you have this brand new Atlas Prime that just released and that other person just has a level one Excalibur and you can feel good about that. Is that right? Yes. All right. I'm trying to get Steam stop downloading stuff. There we go. Okay. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, okay, but it just decided to kick off and start, oh, I'm going to download everything. Yeah. No. That, 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 what you said is pretty much what I said in a nutshell. Right. No, like, one or, like, I think that you have a really good point there. Um, I, th- well, I think that this was said in one of those, um, one of the talks that was recommended to us in the very earliest of the podcast, I think the second podcast we were talking about game development and someone recommended this game developer conference of the Path of Exile developers. And they were talking about trading and in-game items and doing your items right. And they say that an item has only only has as much worth as you can decide to not give it to other players. So to like explain that a little bit, if I farm like a resource, which I can't trade to you, then that resource doesn't really have value because I can't give it to you. I, you, I, you can't buy it off me, so it's just like something I have. Like, let's say that I have, I have like thousands upon thousands of like this one resource called Alloy Plate in Warframe. It's sitting there in my inventory. I can't do nothing with it. I don't feel rich having it. I don't feel great having it. It's just sitting there. However, if I get an item which I can trade with you, which you can give me in the in-game currency for or something else, or I can just decide to give it to you as a giveaway, then that item holds value because I can decide to give it to you or I can decide to not give it to you but I have it and it's tradable and I feel that that is kind of representable for the single player multiplayer competitiveness not pvp games but in the other setting that you were describing where it's like if I fully complete like let's say my persona 4 or if I complete my super mario in a perfect 100% I can feel great about it but no one will know. And we do have trophies now, and I can go out to the street and be like, ah, look at me, I completed the game. But, like, uh, you can't really show that. And you can in Warframe when you're walking around and you look way different and way better from everyone that if you're looking for that for that confirmation and that feedback and that, um, I don't know what the, what the correct word for is, but, like, the... the, the uh, social feedback in the sense that you place it within like your social reality like how many people have actually gotten to this point is that everyone that's done this or has almost no one done this so you can like get some like um, you can pinpoint how um, good your thing is it's really bad wording but yeah <laughs> so I I always feel that when it comes to achievements, there's no real reason to justify doing them aside from... (sighs) Yeah, you want to show it off. And one of the games that did achievements right, which I think a lot of other companies could learn from, was World of Warcraft. In World of Warcraft, when they finally introduced achievements, they gave you the opportunity to earn rewards for doing said achievement. So those rewards may be um, a mount, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you could get a dragon that you could fly, or you could get uh, a title, or you could get a pet, or you could get get all sorts of weird and wonderful vanity crap, Mm -hmm. right? But the whole point was that you got rewarded for going that extra mile. And instead of actually like turning on a game like I think it was Fable Three, actually I'm pretty sure Vanquish had this. Turning on the game and then just getting an achievement for turning on the game. 
no, Soul Calibur. Actually, I think a fair few games actually did this. But even so, like, you know, okay, so you have an achievement. Like, there, there are some games out there that people feel satisfied in doing a lot more, not a lot more readily than other games, right? So when I played Destiny uh, 2, I played for the plot, the narrative. Mm-hmm. I got six hours of plot for £65. I felt horrifically rep- uh, ripped off. Mm-hmm. I paid 40 quid for Astral Chain, a game that came out back in August. I played 24 hours solid, and then I completed the game, right? Which I felt so much more rewarded for doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I think that the reward for playing a game is too critical in people's nature and that unless they feel rewarded playing the game then they're not going to like it's a crap game Mm. see this is something this is really interesting because i i want to take this lead into a thought I've been having more this week or like last couple of weeks, maybe even last month. Because when it comes to the way that games are rewarding, as you stated before, some things that you can really appreciate are like the, the plot of a game. And I feel I've played Destiny 2, especially the first part of it as well. And I don't think plot wise, it's very strong but i don't necessarily think that it's necessarily is really marketed towards the plot just as i don't feel that warframe is necessarily designed for the plot it's more designed around the gameplay and i think that in that sense there is less reward within that but at the same time the way that these games like warframe like destiny like these games that are designed with um, microtransactions within them these games that are designed to continue to run for longer periods of time, being an active development and not just being this self-contained one single game, the way that they're designed is to keep you playing. And they decide to keep you playing by giving you always like a next goalpost to move towards and a new incentive and a new reward to get. And I feel that that's a different reward, which speaks differently to like the reward system of different people and maybe over different ages as well. Because what I initially really liked about Warframe or about a game like Destiny, which was like a continuous multiplayer game, was that I could continue to grow and expand within this universe. The universe would expand around me, and I would always have something to do, and i like build up this, this... I would build up this account in 2013, and I would still be able to use that time that I invested in 2013 in the content that comes out in 2019. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but I really enjoyed that over the years. I really appreciated it, especially when compared to games like Mass Effect Andromeda, which I joined in later, and then saw that this game kind of like came to an end with development. And I was like, well, why would you not continue on? Like, you know, you got some base here. Like, you could add on things. You could expand the galaxy. It's like, they didn't do that. And I think that that's one of the nice things about multiplayer games. However, what their reward uh, structure is, is to always have a next goal post. And to always have you like, all right, so you've completed... You've gotten every item in Warframe. Well, you can always go for every achievement. Well, you can always go for Nightwave. Well, you can always go for 
getting a second set and then selling that to other people or like restarting the game, which is something that other people are doing like pretty regularly. But one of the things that you see happening in that uh, in that reward structure it's not just that they put like like a lot of like goalposts around and keep putting them up um, over time so you never really run out of things to do but at the same time they put that thing there and they have a dedicated wait time within that which they want to make as appealing to skip with their premium currency because that's where microtransactions are for that's the way that this online system works generally in most games nowadays and if they can make that appealing enough without feeling too disturbing, they can find a middle ground where enough people that are prepared to pay will pay for skipping the wait, and enough people that cannot pay but want to play the game are not too pissed off that they have to wait that like the game will get that press. So that's kind of the middle ground that they're looking for. But as a result, you're never really feeling satisfied. It's like back in the day, I could get really satisfied when I got a Warframe or something. Now I just feel like especially i've been playing like a game called epic 7 which is a mobile game which uses the exact same like microtransaction structure and i'm just like yeah i mean like i think it's fun but it doesn't really feel meaningful because you always know that it never really completes it never really rounds up it's always like all right well you've done one thing keep on going and maybe pay up whereas when it comes to single player games the reward is like it's a story or maybe it's like it's 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 like this really satisfying gameplay, but more but a lot of times single player games are like this story where it's like it starts off you get this conflict you're you're working towards that you're working towards it in poses maybe like you're working towards it in periods between like your work whatever you do around your life you may take like weeks or months to complete it, but then you complete it and there's an end to it and you feel really good about completing it and then you might go back to it because you thought it was such an amazing experience but. It's here to like give you this satisfaction reward of like completing the entire thing. Whereas these other games, like the the, the multiplayer, especially multi-transaction, um, microtransaction focused games nowadays are very focused on just keeping it going. Never really giving you closure. Just keep going, keep going. Because once you have closure, it's like, why would you keep on going? It's like, that's really bad for them because they want you to keep on playing. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And... I think it's a sad truth that we are getting games out these days. Actually, um, I don't know if you saw on Discord. I actually yeah, asked if I, you would. Right now, I didn't. I didn't see the. The poll is up right now. Let's take a let's take a look at um, how people feel. Oh, I think it... the problem is that the poll isn't uh, appearing. It is appearing. I just footage. put it up right now. No, 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 on the footage because the footage is like thirty seconds yeah. behind. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think if I had to ask, answer this question, um, I think personally, I would go for multiplayer PVE games. Mm -hmm. So just type in three. And the simple reason to that is that I get to play with my friends right don't get me wrong i do enjoy um things like dead cells i do enjoy um near automata i mean i even picked up near automata again recently i enjoy a lot of variation in games but at the same time being able to just chat and shoot the breeze with people 
goes a hugely long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I fully agree with you. I I do have I have felt it one. Um, but let me explain that because the thing is that I've recently found out. Well, it's not a big discovery if you hear about it, but it's it was a big discovery to lead up to this that. My passion for games stems mostly out of the social element around gaming. Like, pretty yeah. much, I've gone over the entire list of games that I've played. And maybe with an exception of, like, one or two, every game that I played. I played because someone I knew played it. I played mm. because my, my family played it, because my friends played it, because people I knew online played it. And we could, like, I could we could play together or we could, like, talk about the progress that we made. That's always been a staple within it. And I started thinking about that because recently I've been thinking about, like, why do I not enjoy Warframe that much? Why do I not enjoy... Why, why am I not getting excited about a lot of games releasing? And, like, why do I not have this urge to complete them all? Like, the I don't have the gotta catch them all with all the games. And, I like, the realization came to me is that, like, for me, the gaming experience is an important thing. But the most important thing is that I... That I know that other people are playing it and we can like play together or we can like share our journey with each other. I think that that's really important. Now, the reason that I felt it one though, the reason that I prefer single player games the most is that as the situation is right now, um, I don't really have a distinction, uh, like a preference between PVE or PVP games. I can play both of them very well with friends. But if I have to choose for, like, right now, if I had to pick up a game right now, this instance, without having other outside factors to it, I would then go for a single-player game. Because then I know that that would give me a very satisfactory, like, like closing off. It would be like watching a movie, which is something, like, I can do that by myself if I had to. But I prefer doing things in a social context. I completely agree with that. And... One of the other elements that I don't think... I've only just thought about this. One of the other elements that I don't think um, we have thought of is life, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I've been trying hard to find time to do anything and everything. One of the things I struggle with is having the time dedicated to do one thing. And luckily, this this is one of the uh, great joys of me moving. Mm -hmm. I got to wake up uh, as usual, did some video editing for this week's Arbiters, and then rendered it and went off to work. And I got to work, you know, as in, like, before I was late, you know, as I got to work within five minutes, I'm like, yep. Ah, uh, that's how it's done. Mm -hmm. So, regardless of that, I think one thing, one of my hang-ups with playing single-player based games is that I rarely get the time to play them, right? I start playing a mission in Astral Chain, I'm 10 minutes in, phone call, right? Ah, pause game answer phone have conversation right okay cool end the conversation i pick up i continue playing the game another phone call Ugh. you know but our lives i i don't know about our audience and you know i'd love our audience to actually chime in here but i feel that 
as a community, as a society, as evolution, as the time goes on, we are a hell of a lot more busy. There are so few people that don't have a mobile phone mm-hmm. that it's just insane to how we're always online. We're always hooked into something. We're never detached, right? Mm-hmm. The number of times I just go, right, I'm turning that on to do not disturb because I'm like, I got home on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. No word of a lie. Got home on Sunday after I dropped off the keys to my old flat after going to meet up with Loz to upload 10 o'clock onto the wrong channel. <laughs> and then I got home, I went to sleep and I had three messages within 10 minutes waking me up some one was an email two were messages on like twitter and things and do you know what i did i sent my phone to do not disturb so i could continue <laughs> to sleep oh man um i i was i'm wondering though when you when you're talking about like the time restraints is that the time restraint you have on not being able to do single player games anymore and because of that you're able to do like multiplayer games so that better or or, or you can't do multiplayer games that much anymore because you're facing those time restraints as well. The time restraints are always there, mm-hmm. but the upside of the multiplayer is that they often only last 10 minutes, right? A single mission of Astral Chain is at least one hour, right? Mm-hmm. But the upshot of jumping on Warframe, I'm playing it for 10 minutes, I finish it, Oh, look, I get a phone call. I disappear for 20 minutes. I come back. I continue. You get the idea. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting because I I would put that more to the single player camp, but maybe that's more towards like my uh, my love of like the handheld. Uh, I'm actually in the work of making a video around uh, PlayStation Vita because I think it's a really interesting console. Uh, and I am kind of in love with handhelds now because let me let me explain this. So this this centered around this game that I got recommended by uh, by Shy. Quite Shy just tweeted one day like you should get Persona Four and Afida. The game is totally worth it. I was going to like Canada a couple of times like in a single month. Like I was going to family and Tenokan was like I need something to keep me busy on the plane. So I was like fuck it, I'll buy it. So I bought this thing, I bought uh, Persona 4 Golden with it, and it was amazing. Because, like, one thing that I'm faced with if I play games on my mobile phone or if I play games on my computer, most of them are online games. Warframe, um, I have some mobile, I have a very few amount of, mo- of like mobile games on my mobile phone. But if I'm off to an airport, if I'm off outside, if I'm anywhere that isn't home or isn't a location like an Airbnb where I have set internet... I'm not able to play those. And that really sucks. And if I'm in the middle of a Warframe mission, I've had survivals where I just popped in, we're 10 minutes in, and it's like, oh shit, I need, I got a call, I need to go out. That sucks. But what I loved about this thing, what I loved about playing Persona 4, was that I could turn it on, I could plug in my headphones, I could just play, play a little bit, then like, I'm sitting at the gate, I'm just seeing an announcement pop up, I just turn off the screen, game pulses, Sits there, just sits there. I just put it away. I walk into the plane. I sit down. I turn it on. Game is back on. I can continue to play. Something happens, like the flight attendant comes by. I turn it off. I can talk. 
I can turn it on and I'm very back at it. I love that. I really love that experience. Like I could turn it on. I could just press one button. It would pause and I would have everything back in a moment's notice when I needed it. I could just like play maybe two minutes. It's not the ideal experience, but it really worked well, especially in moments where you have like a little time to wait. And I really, really appreciate that. I really love that. And I can yeah. I completely agree. I find that like that's that's how I coped with Astral Chain, mm -hmm. right? Like whenever there was sort of like a small lull between whatever, I would hit the home button on the switch, uh, on the controller, and it would it would basically it would just insta pause the game, mm -hmm. which was absolutely brilliant. But it was still disruptive, like. One of the weird things when I'm doing my job as a developer mm -hmm. um, is that if someone comes up to me and distracts me, it takes me time to get back into what I was doing. And I find the same thing with single-player games. If someone calls me up and disrupts me, like I can't just jump straight back into the single-player game. I have to sort of... like unwind for a few minutes before i can actually go back into it mm -hmm. i can see that i can see it like i can totally see that i have that with editing sometimes because you want to get in the mood i do feel like it's it's a bit of like a give and take on both situations because i can perfectly see that you want to you have this one hour story mission as compared to like a a 10-minute quick mission in Warframe. Warframe has the same thing. If you do a cinematic quest, it's it's quite long. You can pause it in between. You can get out of it in between, but no one does that because that breaks the mood. But at the same time, it's like you can't pause an online game. Um, Yeah, I think it's like both have the same restraint. I it's It's whatever game you prefer, whatever experience you prefer. I really, really love that single-player handle experience. I really hate that Persona 5 never gotten this like FIDA thing and they cancelled it. I would love to get my hands on the Switch one day when I can buy it. But uh, because like the Switch actually I do feel that the, the Nintendo is going pretty strong on good single player titles. Don't you think? I completely agree. I think a large part of that like I think I feel Nintendo have done a fantastic job in creating a console that is truly both a handhold mm -hmm. and handheld? Handheld. Hand sorry, my yeah, my apologies. Handhold. Handhold. Sorry. A handheld. As well as a you plug it into the TV. And like they really broke the molds with the Switch. And it was a shame that it came out shortly after um the new. Oh God. Was it the new? 3ds xl or something i can't remember but regardless it is an incredible console and it lends to both playing multiplayer heavy games like warframe like fortnite like whatever as well as single player games like um breath of the wild mario breath odyssey wild, yeah yeah. Like there was another new Zelda game which um, looks amazing. Like I would really want to play those. I do think that the Switch success is partly due again to the casual market where Nintendo just struck gold again. Because like yeah. try and sell it, 
trying to sell a PlayStation 4 Pro to like a, a cash was like, it's a powerful PlayStation. It's like, oh, sure. Wow. Okay. Well, well, we have this Nintendo thing, which like you can pop out and you can take on the go and your kids can play with it. And then you can put it in the thing. And you can play it as a console and it works really great on both. And people love that. Like they understand yeah. it. And I think that the casual market is so important in these things. And as you say, like the way that you experience the multiplayer thing and like being like really nice, quick, easy bursts, the way that I feel that multiplayer games, especially with microtransactions these days, are very well engineered around getting, around having you to like get this continuous like positive feedback, positive feedback, positive feedback, next, next flag, go grab this. It's not too hard to get it. And if you want to make it easier, you can just pay us. And like it continuously goes on. I think that really appeals to casuals. And like, as an example, the places where I feel that the single player games really shined were on some of the handhelds, also on some of the consoles, but very much so on the handhelds. I've spent so much time on like my Nintendo DS playing single player games. But that's because those things were out there in the days. I barely see anyone with like handouts anymore because they've just all been replaced by phones. And these phones are just like, everyone has a phone. You can download the game on it. And for casual players, for just the general audience, that's good enough. Why would you want to carry an extra device for just gaming, which is more bulky, which has more mass to it, which makes things like clunky and like, ah, just use your phone, man. And I think that that's a very important part to this trend. I completely agree with you. And in all honesty, I think that, um, sorry, give me two seconds. Um, no problem. You, you keep, you keep talking for a second. No, it's all right. We're, <laughs> if we're, if we're, to, if we're, if we're praising the switch so much, let me just put it out there that I think one main criticism about the switch, uh, I've heard talk about like the switch pro, which I don't know if that's confirmed, but please, if the switch, if we could have a switch pro version where, because it has a USB-C port, which is a good thing, make that USB-C a Thunderbolt port, please put in then like a, a, a hard drive within the, within the docking station, put an external graphics card within the docking, within the docking station. So you can pick it up, have like the 720p handheld console, which is more than enough for a handheld, pop it in the docking station, have that extra graphics card in there, have more storage space. So you can just like have your home console game stored on there and then just have like a few games that you take on the go. So you can put it in and can actually be like a pretty good competitive device as just a standard console next to your TV um, in 2019. I think that that would be a massive opportunity for Nintendo to go into, but they've never really See, been like specs hungry at all, which is... Yeah, I mean, the weird thing is that... Um, okay, so highlighting that for a moment, I've not had any issue with the quality of the graphics from the Switch, right? Mm -hmm. I've heard people say, oh, it doesn't look as good as X, Y, or Z. Really don't care. But what I was going to yeah. brush on before I, I so I got to, yeah. What yeah, I no had, uh, what I'm going to brush on is the mobile market. Mm -hmm. I cannot understand why the mobile market is so saturated with things like gacha games. You know what I mean by those, yeah? Have you ever, before you continue, have you ever bought a mobile game? Yes, I have. Oh, you have? I have. I have. Um, I bought. Oh God, I've bought a few actually. Um, 
I don't have to remember what they are, but it's things like on Humble Bundle and stuff like that. And I, I would play them on my tablet and I play them on my phone. You but know, did you I buy them I... straight out of the store? Just like you just were browsing for, for, for mobile games and you saw one you liked, you just like, oh yeah, that's a fair price. And you ticked on it and you bought it. Not the Google store, not the Play store, not the App store. I don't have an app, um, Apple product, but I've not done it from the App store because... Um, or have I don't think I've done it on the App Store, mostly because those games do not percolate to the top, right? Like, like YouTube, Google has the tendency to only push stuff that is of interest, right? So if there is a lot of people that have um, bought a game or bought into a game or downloaded a game, that is the uh, the game that Google will pimp. Mm-hmm. Yeah? See, I so, see. I think that a large part of this, like, catch-up, like, like the, the, the typical mobile game, a large part of that is due to, like, the general customer mentality because you're, you're one of the first people, and now I see Sakamas as well in chat phoning for have they ever bought a mobile game before. Um, you're one of the first people that has actually that I know that's actually bought a mobile game because most of the people just only download free games. They only download free apps because, like this mobile market, it's like if you bring up an app. I, like I remember when WhatsApp was like paid on like Apple like iOS devices, and people are like, uh, I don't know. But when it was on Android, it was free. It's like, oh my god, this is free. I'll download it. I think that the that the mentality around mobile. Uh, games it's a lot more of it's just a free thing that i can add on my phone instead of like i'm gonna buy this cartridge i'm gonna buy this game which is more on like game consoles or pc and because of that if you if you don't really have a banger um, game because let's face it in the very early days of smartphones big game studios weren't really jumping on this. It were more like in, uh, independent developers, people that were working on like simple games, which were very simple, straightforward, not very technically designed games that were just like, oh, you can run this on here. And people just download that for free. And then they got used to having free games on there that if they see paid games, it's not going to be that popular. So the way that mobile developers know that they can get their games is just like, give it like, give people a free game, Make it interesting enough that they download it, they may play it, and then just throw ads in it and throw microtransactions in it. And that's that's what I feel that with the Apple Arcade thing that's coming around might actually bring a shift within the market because it won't like if you don't know about the Apple Arcade thing, it's like a for five dollars a month you have access to a library of games which are only available through uh, Apple Arcade, which so it's like a paid subscription service. But all these games will not have microtransactions in them. They will not have what is it, uh, these ads in them, they will just be like full-on good game experiences. And actually, I think that there are some really good game studios and promising titles that are actually coming up within that service when it launches in I don't know when. But I think that that's like the free-to-play mentality, like the free mentality that mobile users have and expect from mobile games. It's a huge part in why all these games are like so focused on like, give me money or watch ads, which just makes them very unenjoyable. I think one of the problems with a lot of... Actually, I I highlighted this earlier. One of the problems with mobile game development, one of the problems with, you know, free-to-play games, 
published games, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they expect maximum money for exceptionally low quality product, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how often do people go to a supermarket and you know they they buy baked beans that taste awful or they they'll buy a hot dog bun that tastes absolutely awful or they they'll buy something that is cheap because you know it it's the same as the other product right how often do people that have more money than sense buy a horrendously expensive product because it is it's more expensive, therefore it is better. You know, mm. um, I I had to go to um, drop off the keys to my old flat on Sunday, and I had to buy uh, a piece. So I had to write on a piece of paper saying, "This is what I've done. Here are the keys. Shove it in an envelope and shove it through the door." Mm-hmm. I could either buy a single envelope for a pound or buy a pack of finding out how many or I could buy a pack of 50 ooh my webcams there Looks we go back. oh yeah I could buy a pack of 50 for a pound 30 so you bought the single one for a pound no, I bought the the pack for a pa- uh, a pound thirty. What is the price? <laughs> right, and and that's the thing, right? So so you can have you know it's it's value for money, mm-hmm. right? And like people will go for the cheapest option, thinking it is the best value for money, but often it's not, right? I, I think that that's a very important thing to keep in mind just in general that when it comes to like a value for money proposition there are times i think i actually had this conversation with sakamas a couple of days ago there are times where the cheap option will probably be the better option i mean within the example of your envelopes i don't think that the quality of the one pound envelope unless it was like made of like i don't know wood (laughs) Mm-hmm. was going to be that much better than the 50 envelopes that you got. And I think that it's better to get the 50 because, you know, they're just there to, like, carry carry the, carry the whatever you put in them until someone opens them up and throws them away. I think that there is, like, go for the cheaper one. But there are many aspects in life where it's smarter to buy more expensive things over the cheaper things. Like, take a, like think about boots. Think about, uh, what is it, um... I mean, computers, especially if you're if you're building like a desktop computer, I think it's a really good investment to like invest in like like a better system that you're building so you can swap things out over time and that you have to like constantly buy new things. I used to buy like laptops that were like pretty cheap. I would have to switch them out every two years. And that adds up immensely. Like, I mean, electronics right now, like, I don't know, it's a bit of a gray area, but still, it's like, you know, make sure that you that you get that, that you buy them responsibly because the cheapest, this is by far in electronics, the cheapest thing is never a smart choice because you're going to have to buy yeah. a thing over and over and over again. It's going to end up costing you so much more money than if you just go ahead and buy the good quality product. 
so my PC, right, is a second generation i7, mm-hmm. right? I've had this thing for nearly 10 years. It'll be a 10-year next November. Damn. Right? Not this November, next November, 2010. Mm-hmm. And... The only parts I've had to replace were the motherboard mm-hmm. and the RAM. The motherboard was originally a gigabit um, motherboard that lasted less than a year, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I, I should have gone MSI. I should always go MSI. People complain about MSI laptops. MSI PC parts, on the other hand, are robust as fuck. And I had a Corsair Vengeance RAM, uh, the four gig modules, which slowly over time died. But as since then, I have bought the eight gig modules, and they are just fine, right? Um, the quality of the product you buy is really important. Never buy Fujitsu. Never buy um acer like i i will not touch asus with a 10 foot barge pole people say that asus is a really good brand but i'm sorry i've had i've seen so many corners cut with asus i will not touch them you know my motherboard's msi my graphics card's msi my i don't know what other options i have for msi but even so well, let's let's bring it back to 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 the games instead of the computers, which I think it's insane that you're that's a ten year computer mm. almost. Um, that... Sorry, I got a point. I got oh. a point. I'm gonna interrupt. Right. Everyone has heard me bitch to say that Destiny Two is not a good game. Mm. Right. Six hours of a story campaign. Granted, it's longer now, but the, the main campaign six hours mm-hmm. for sixty five pounds is horrific right however i've had so many people turn to me and say no destiny 2 is great value for money you know the 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 campaign's short fine but it's not the end of the world and then i pointed to them by any chance did you get it for free when it was handed out during blizzcon 2018 or is it 2017 one of the two it's also free now yeah well it's still still free now yeah and they turn around and said yes. So no wonder they think it's good value for money. They didn't pay for it. <laughs> no, like definitely. I think my thing with Destiny is I, so I got it for free when they offered it for free around the time that Fortuna released, which was very coincidental. No way that that could have like had anything to do with each other. But I got it around that time. I played through like the initial campaign. It was fun, but. I have to say my main problem with Destiny is I think that it's a very good looking game. I think that the the, the, the soundtracks are really good. I think that the initial story isn't the greatest. Um, I've, I've heard people say that later on down the line in the DLCs it gets better and I 100% would like to believe them. That being said, there are two main concerns that I have with Destiny. Number one is they went from Destiny to Destiny 2, which I think is, as I said, I really like when games close off. I don't think Destiny... Is that all a game that closes off? <laughs> there is no particular clo- enclosure to Destiny. It just 
Destiny 2 is just a continuation of Destiny. It's the DLC to it. At least, like, the expansion to it. But you have to pay for it. This is one major worry for me. How would I... Why would I want to invest in a game where maybe there will be a Destiny 3? And when that once that game launches, I all the progress I made in Destiny 2, I will have lost. Well, I, that sucks. I want to... I want to... Because I think people are going to jump on this. Mm-hmm. So... When Destiny 2 first came out, mm-hmm. they had originally announced that Destiny 3 had already started production. Ooh. Right. Now, since then, Warf I said not Warframe, I'm sorry, I just read Warframe from Zachamus. But since then, um Bungie has separated from Activision. Bungie has kept the hold of Destiny 2 mm-hmm. franchise. And I'm pretty sure since then have turned around and said, we're not doing Destiny 3, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, I th- yeah. so if Destiny 3 is no longer on the table, that's one major concern off of my chest. But why was that such a big concern? Because if you bought Destiny Day 1, that's $60, $65 if you buy that um, day one, base game. Then a DLC comes out. The DLCs are often like $40 or something every time they come out. Which is like, if you continue to buy every single DLC, that adds up to like, every time, every DLC is like 40 bucks. However, here comes the kicker. If a new DLC comes out, most of the time it will be like 40 bucks for the new new DLC, but it will be 60 bucks for like the base game plus all the previous DLC if you're like a new player. So like they, they kind of want to entice you like, hey, you want to play this game? We have this new DLC. You can buy everything for like 60 bucks or something. Like it's a little bit more expensive, but it's like, you save a lot of money if you wait until like all the DLCs come out, just like get them all. Because forty bucks for every DLC is a lot of money. Like that is a lot of money. Now I have been talking about this on stream before, and I have actually had to say like, hold on. If you were to buy every Prime Access in Warframe, that's going to be about one hundred and fifty bucks every time if you buy the top tier, and if you do that three or four times a year, that's a lot more money. But I think that it's way, like, the importance of having the DLC in Destiny is way more important than buying or not buying the Prime Access in Warframe. But even so, especially when it came around to, like, the option of there being a Destiny 3, investing so heavily in buying all the DLCs when they came out for, like, the price that they were asking for it, with microtransactions being in the game, I'm like, yeah, I don't know whether I really want to dive into that. No, I completely agree. It is sketch as hell. People mm-hmm. have complained recently about the whole drop, ch- uh, sorry, mod drop chance booster, the seven day booster that's coming in with Atlas. Mm-hmm. And personally, I don't see an issue with it. It's like if you've listened to 10 o'clock, shameless plug, if you listened to 10 o'clock this week, then we highlight that it's very clear that they're doing it as a test. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it as a avenue of spite they're not doing it as something that's exclusive they're not doing it as a method of um enticement to buy prime access they're not doing it as an excuse to have worse drop chances they are doing it as a test and the reason why it's seven days is to make sure it doesn't bloody break the game Mm -hmm. right because how much damage could be done with a 90-day mod drop chance booster if it wasn't working properly, as opposed to a seven-day one? I mean, hell, you could even argue, why isn't it a three-day one? Why isn't it a one-day one? 
right? But the problem is people will buy Prime Access and not necessarily play it the same day. I think I, I I think that when it comes to Warframe's Prime Access and their boosters, like there there are two concerns there. When it when it comes to boosters, uh, I can understand the way that they do their seven day booster thing, where it's like it just runs the seven days, regard irregardless of how much you play. Then again, it kind of sucks if you just happen to like run on one, like you just happen to get one right when you log in before you go on a business trip, and then just like you can't play for like a week. And you haven't like been able to use that at all. That kind of sucks. But the main like the main thing that I wanted to talk about when it came to Warframe and Prime Access is that I think that they can definitely like add more value within their Prime Access because when you look at like the value for the for for money that you're getting from the Prime Access itself, it's not a lot. Like this has been something that's been offered as a discussion point multiple times within the Warframe community where it comes around to like, well, if you buy the top tier Prime Access, you're paying 150 bucks. That includes one frame, one weapon, one other weapon or one other thing. Like, I think it's the Dev Cube Prime this time, so it's like a Sentinel thing. It's often, it's often like two pieces of gear, one Warframe, and then you have some cosmetics, you have a booster, and you have Platinum with it. When it comes to like buying the Platinum, the premium currency outright, you're already going to be paying 150 bucks. So like that, you could already say that within Warframe, it's pretty reasonable because you're buying Platinum for 150 bucks and you get the Prime Access added to it. However, if you compare buying something for $150, which would be probably two AAA titles, like let's say Spider-Man, um, God of War, or Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, like... There is a big difference in the amount of content that you're getting from through buying these two games as compared to one single character plus like two pieces of gear, cosmetics, a booster, and some platinum. Now, that is something which I'm not entirely sure of where to place it because you can also put out the argument that, hey, you know, you have this free game, so you could also be paying for the rest of the game and you can also get these items if you want them. You really like you know what you're what you're into. You you're not forced to buy it, but it's always something that I've found to be very interesting when it came to Prime Access is that like the amount of content you're getting isn't that much. So I think that having a mod drop to a booster, even if it's just for seven days, as it being a test to increase the value of a Prime Access, I am all for it because it could do it more, not less. We haven't seen Prime Traders in a long time. We haven't seen Codex entries in a long time. These things have just all been dropped for Prime Access. I'm like, oh, well, it, please give it more, not less. So one of the the big things that um, I'm highlighting mm -hmm. is um, sorry. Um, one of the big things that I'm highlighting is the fact that I'm going to go with pounds, right? British pound, yeah. sorry, Great British pounds, pound sterling, whatever. Um, prime access is 92 pounds, mm -hmm. right? That's 30 pounds a month for a game, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas in um the name of the other uh, if i was to buy spider-man that's 60 pounds yeah. right so i can only buy like one and a half games for the equivalent right mm -hmm. 
and to me people like you know i've seen people complain saying like oh you know it's 30 pounds a month it's not worth it blah, blah, blah. like i'm sorry the the amount of time i've spent on warframe dwarfs anything else and i am one of those bastards that buys prime access the maximum one every single time right there's only one that i did not buy which i think was the rhino one and i couldn't afford it right mm -hmm. Um, not at the time, but you know, now it's it's thirty quid a month. Is like, yep, done. Don't care. No, yep. like I I feel that there's definitely more to it because it's like it's in a different context than buying a game outright. However, I do feel with a lot of content around Prime Access around Prime Access having been dropped over time, where it came to like the Prime trailer, when it came to like the Codex entries that came with it. Sometimes there was even some lore to it that came with a Prime Access. That being dropped, it's like I am a big proponent for giving it more content to it rather than less because I haven't quite figured out how I feel about the price, but I do feel it's on the pricey end of things. If you look at just the content you're getting. That being said, it's not the right context because there's also an entire game around it. If you're looking at it in that context, you're probably getting more. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's an interesting topic. But let's bring it back to the single-player games. We were talking before we came to the value discussion um, around like buying things for more value or buying things cheap. We were talking about... You were talking about the popularity of very um, low-quality or very fast-production-made items when it came to like games on the mobile market, when it came to games maybe more in general today where it's like it hasn't it doesn't have that much quality into it it's like what what can we sell for the least amount of effort that doesn't mean that they're putting almost no effort in it but it's like how can we make these quantity products which can like do the most and not which can get the most people involved and not focus on creating necessarily the greatest game i wanted to pitch in on that because i'm wondering when you were talking about that i started wondering does this is, is this a consequence an unintended or unseen consequence by me yet of the new open free market that we have with the internet where back in the day if you wanted to publish a game you had to create said game you had to have a publisher that would have the access to creating physical game copies and then release it via marketing whereas now Anyone can upload a game to Steam. Just with YouTube, anyone can upload a video to YouTube. You don't have to go through the for this the process anymore. That made it really hard to publish anything. Now that did a lot of good because we've seen a great number of indie games come out. We've seen a great number of like individuals making videos coming out on everything with songs as well. I think it's doing a lot of good there. But at the same time, because of that, you have such a ready amount of entertainment. Like let's go with the YouTube um um, tangent for a little bit you have such a large amount of like video library out there that if you have the need to watch something you don't necessarily watch tv anymore you don't necessarily have to go to the movies anymore because there's this very wide library of things that you can watch which weren't made with a very large team with a lot of planning with a lot of quality put into it necessarily so that means that you create a market where there is a large share of the market that is dedicated to um, lower quality products, which 
may not necessarily be unintentional lower quality products because most of the people that start on YouTube or indie, def indie game developers may not like have the resources or the abilities to create the best AAA thing. But because that because these things work successfully and because you have such a wise you have such a large competition that you have to compete with, if you were to make on YouTube videos that had an insane amount of editing in them that took you a month to make, you have to make them really good and you gotta have a really good audience for them. But otherwise you're gonna have like a really hard time surviving because even though people may enjoy it. What's very important? What's very important is that people watch it and people like consume the the media, consume the entertainment. That's the core of it. it. Doesn't matter how much they enjoy it. It's about that they consume it. That's like the main thing. Even with games, with everything, it's like people got to consume it. People got to enjoy it. And what you see is that like if if everyone is out there making these very well crafted pieces of video, and then someone like a PewDiePie can record a video. Maybe with like an hour of reacting to, to things, then maybe have one of his editors or himself edit it down in like at most two hours and then put it out every day. And people watch that. They might enjoy it a little less, but maybe they, they still enjoy it or maybe even more. And they watch that. Then that means that the people that do so much can do a little bit less because it's all about like having that a little bit more frequent. And I think that that might also bleed out to the game market because so many people can publish and you see games that are like being published not with that high level of quality, but are still being successful, that people that made the very high quality are now stepping down a little bit because stepping down may have a lot more benefits if they can produce two games instead of one or push out more updates instead of one, like we see with Warframe. Does that make sense? It does. And I think one of the important aspects of... production that mm -hmm. we that we take granted is that i i have a motto which is work smarter not harder mm -hmm. right um this motto um has influenced me to the point of making arbiters producible Mm -hmm. in about three to four hours, right? It used to take 12 hours to produce a single Arbiters episode, mm -hmm. right? Probably longer, actually. Now, um, what's called the... There so much of it is automated that... What's called? It can be produced faster, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Which means that I have time to do things like editing down the framecast highlights as long as I'm not moving. <laughs> you know? And a lot of people do not endorse this methodology. A lot of producers, a lot of publishers, a lot of Wow, I can't believe I'm going to say this. A lot of fat cats, a lot of people that, you know, rake in the money, they think, don't work smarter, just do less. Right? Which, it, it sounds very political for me to say, 
Were you going to say Go, something? Could you expand a little bit more on the difference between working smarter and working less? And So working, so, okay, so for example, right, mm -hmm. uh, Arbiters takes me four hours to produce. It originally mm -hmm. took me 12, right? Mm -hmm. So I have reduced it by a, th um, a third, right? I've, I've reduced it down to a third of the time it takes. Mm -hmm. Instead of that, I could have produced a five-minute video as opposed to a 15-minute video mm -hmm. and still spent four hours on it, right? Mm -hmm. My point is, instead of spending um, what's called 12 hours to make uh, 15 minutes worth of content, I'm now spending four hours to make 15 minutes worth of content. That's the key difference between working smart and working less. Yeah, or producing less. My apologies for the confusion. Does um, that does that mean that it has to do with intent? Because like let me put it forward like this. It's like I can understand the difference between what you're putting forward is like working smart is keeping the same end result but making sure that the workflow is cut down so you can keep up the end result and working less is having like we want this to be done in four hours if the result is less so be it but is it is it then like a difference in intention that we're talking about here because i can't imagine someone sitting out there and being like i want to edit this for 12 hours like if they were working on it for 12 hours they would love to be able to put to to work it back to four hours if they'd be able to they'd love that but not everyone is able to so like so let's let's take it from a different perspective let's mm -hmm. let us hi, uh, hypothetical we have a huge we we are game publishers right mm -hmm. Uh, we are Michelle and Zeno uh, Incorporated, and we hire what's it called um, digital extremes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we hire digital extremes to create our game. Right, this is the product we want. Right, we are only paying you for twelve hours. Mm -hmm. Right, so we are only paying you for um till the end of october mm -hmm. right um and then you you've got to give us what you've got right so the option there is for de to produce as much as physically possible and um what you call it give it to the game developer mm -hmm. or for the game developer to um, or for DE to produce whatever they want and still give it to the game developer. The problem here, let's take Destiny 2 into case. Mm -hmm. This sounds really weird. Why not Destiny 1? Destiny 1 is what makes Destiny 2 so exploitative. Destiny 1 proved that Destiny is a good franchise to invest in. Right? Mm -hmm. So Destiny 2 could be less of a product right it's like saying arbiters the first episode was a huge success mm -hmm. so arbiters 20 could be less of a product and still be a huge success do you see what i'm saying partly i can i can understand it in the sense that the the, the first scenario where you describe it where it's like 
they're paying for only the work hours, which is not by which doesn't equate to like the product, which is one of the one of like an entirely different long discussion yeah. where it's like it's like the, 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 this the, this question, which is like nowadays around if you're if you're being paid minimum wage, wh- like could they expect anything else than minimum effort? Like big question, but it's like if you're just being paid for being somewhere for 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 X amount of hours, kind of regardless of your output, it's like how motivated are you to like create that output? How much are you rewarded for the output you do, and how much are you rewarded for the amount of hours you're there? And I think that that's a very interesting thing when it comes to rewarding creativity and rewarding a creative outlet like game development because that's a really hard thing. And I can so like, let's, like, I've, yeah. I've got a really brilliant example for you. Mm-hmm. Let's look exclusively at digital extremes. Mm-hmm. We have Warframe, yeah. the product that they had time to make into what they wanted. And then we had the Star Trek game, mm-hmm. right? The product that had a deadline that was unreasonable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where basically... DE, so Steve basically handed it off to a team and said, get it out. I don't care what quality product it is. You know, the, and often things like publishers will have you over a barrel going like, you know, we're not going to pay for it. We're not going to, you know, you're not doing your job. You're not doing your side of the things. And you end up with crap games. Yeah. As opposed to companies that get given the freedom to make the product that they want, make the product right. You know, it comes out when it's good and ready. Well, that's like, let me put this out there is that it's a freedom which not everyone has. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's really easy to see this in in, in the terms of having EA as a publisher, which is like a publisher with a lot of money. But let's put it like this. A publisher, most of the time, is given a contract to the developer where they say, hey, we we see, like, in the, in the best scenario, is they see an opportunity within the market where they think that a game would work really well. So let's say that we start up a publisher. We work together, uh, like, a certain amount of money, which is, like, maybe we crowdfund something. We have, like, a small budget, which might be, like, who knows how much it is, just enough to create a game. So it's like have someone create a game. Because we see this massive potential for single-player mobile games of quality. Like that is the market, that's the the hole in the market that we're seeing here. And we know that Digital Extremes, even though they created Warframe, they will do a great job in creating that single-player game. And we can come to an agreement where they say, where they say, like, yeah, okay, well, we're, 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 we can, we could create that game for you, and like, we're very happy about that as well. And like, yeah, you're right, and you have access to a network of people that could publish it, like, because you're the publisher, so we'll work together. And then you supply us with money so that we can create it because the joke streams in this scenario doesn't really have the money to like create and publish that game themselves, but they rely on your on our money. The thing is, is that. We don't have infinite money, so we, we, we can't tell them to like, hey, go out, create a game, just bring it to us when you're done and when you're happy with it. Because let's say that they take two to five years to create that thing, like whenever they're, they're working, they need to be paid because it's paid labor that they're doing. So we need to pay them for their hours. 
but we don't get any money anymore because we're investing in them and we don't have any more than that X amount of money. So the only way that we can pay them is in a certain amount of hours. So we can only say like, well, our budget is this. These are all the hours that we can pay you for. Afterwards, we can't. So it's like the way that Warframe did it was by taking a huge risk because they 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 they, they pretty much survived off their founders access and they couldn't do if they didn't get that, they were just done for. They took a huge risk and it paid off because now they have the freedom and they continue to create whatever they want without having these deadlines. But I can imagine that not everyone has that. And even a publisher's perspective, if we had this small company where this small publisher company where we had like a fairy set budget that we couldn't cross because otherwise we'd go bankrupt and no game would be published, like that's the way you got to go because you can't pay people for extra hours that they have to like that they that they need to like put into it. Uh, so, if you don't have the money. So to jump on the back of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Their quality of product has tanked massively. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, on They have a statue outside Blizzard Entertainment that reads um, gameplay first. Right? So their product was always aiming to be the best product possible. They used to have a publisher. Uh, they used to be uh, underneath Vivendi. Mm-hmm. And Vivendi basically said to them, right, you produce this game. You take as long as you want. But at some point in time, the money is going to stop. Right? Mm-hmm. And there have been games that Blizzard started development and even cancelled they never saw the light of day mm-hmm. because they were not the product that they wanted to sell right 2013-2014 Blizzard left Vivendi they bought themselves out and um, synergized they created a synergy with Activision and the whole point was to be a partnership where Activision would help with the publishing process, mm-hmm. um, but Blizzard would still remain autonomous and actually produce the games it wants in the speed it wanted to. Mm-hmm. This did not work out at all, right? Since then, Blizzard have been producing half-baked games, like mm-hmm. remakes, remasters, You know, um, Heroes of the Storm is dead, right? Um, If League of Legends can produce a hero, I assume, once a month, but Heroes of the Storm takes six months, it's dead. Mm -hmm. Diablo 3, you know, they they cancelled the the second expansion to that Mm -hmm. for no reason, no justifiable reason. Overwatch otherwise known as Project Titan, was supposed to be a first-person shooter MMO, right? However, that got scrapped. Um, well, Project, Project Titan got scrapped. And then it got turned into Overwatch, where they took loads of the assets and made a game with it. And it became a hero shooter, mm-hmm. which massively spawned a huge uh, following behind it until Fortnite turned up and, you know... No one talks mm-hmm. about Overwatch anymore. When you have a publisher 
they often take the safe bet. They never risk their vast fortune because the game could be a huge flop, mm -hmm. right? Look at um, Skyrim, right? Skyrim was the first game that I know of that was £45 when it released. Mm -hmm. And it didn't decrease in value, and it was one of the best single-player games, apparently best, that Bethesda had released, even though it was a partially completed product because you needed mods to actually make the game viable to play. Mm -hmm. Look at Fallout 76. Barely a product at all. A huge catastrophe. If a publisher does not let a developer see the game through to its fullest, it will fail. So you said that you were talking about publishers like to play it safe. Do you think that the problem or like a main part of the problem resides in publisher play, publishers playing it safe and not risking more in the creation of their games or like in having the developers create their games? Yes, in multiplayer and single player games, right? Mm -hmm. Think about how much work has to go into the cinematic quests of Warframe, mm -hmm. right? It takes them months, right? So imagine a whole game like Astral Chain, like um, Persona 4, the name of the game, I can't yeah. remember the full. Yeah. Think of the Legacy of Cain franchise, the huge amounts of resources, voice acting talent, uh, animation, you know, modeling, so on and so forth. Huge resources that if the game flops, that's a huge loss. But if you go for a multiplayer game, something like, um, I'm going to say, Unreal Tournament, right? Uh, the AI in it is simple. It's, it's stupid. You needed AI back in that time because um, there was no um, good internet around. But even so, right? It was a safe bet because the whole game was map, playable characters, guns, the end. Just shoot each other, right? All right. Well, let me then try to make a little bit of a case for the safe bet. Because, like, first of all, not everyone has good intentions. Not everyone has the same goals that they want to achieve. So there can definitely be not perfect actors or good faith actors within publishers so or within game development. So certain people might make very bad decisions. I don't think Anthem was a game that was created with where everyone had the same intentions or the same level of good intentions when it came to the game development or it must have been like a massive shitstorm where everyone just like miscommunicated. But like that was a pretty bad thing however let me put it this way so when it comes to risk taking if you are at the start of your career or whatever you do in your creative pursuit whether that may be as a company whether that may be as an individual you are much more prone to risk taking because the amount of 
things that you have to lose versus the amount of things that you have to gain are way off. So like you can gain a lot more than you can lose. So let's let, let me give that an example with my YouTube channel. If I start out my YouTube channel for the very first time for like my first day, I will take I will go well I went well with various different topics just to see what sticks. And I think that that is generally a pretty all right uh, tactic or strategy when it comes to creating YouTube videos. If you want to start out creating videos, go well and see what works. Because if you've never tried anything within this field, unless you have a very clear idea of what you want to do, go well. And let me give you an example of like Mr. Beast, one of the most successful YouTubers of this time right now. If you, oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. If you if you if, if you look at um, before he got popular, which was like a couple of years ago, two three years ago, he did YouTube for seven years. And if you look at his content, it is all over the place. It is someone who is looking for where his place is, and they definitely had some series. But he always went through with like different things, looking for different things. And you you have that with someone like. Um, a Max Mofo who started out with prank calls and then looked into like unboxings or an iDubs who did gameplay and then started doing gaming news and then started doing uh, Kickstarter crap. Those things are just people searching for things, taking risks because like if you start out a series on YouTube and you, then you start doing an entirely different thing, you're at risk of losing everyone that watched you for that series. But you do that at the start because yeah, who cares? Maybe you got like two views in that one video. If you do something else, you might get more. And then the result of Mr. Beast, he was looking for a lot of a lot of things, and then he found this type of video which he's doing now, and it worked, and he stuck on it, and he started doing it, and he just went for it, and he kept on doing it, and it so far is really successful. As a result, he built up an entire company around it. He's he's got all his friends that you see in the videos with a lot more crew behind it that are working for him, and they're being paid for the revenue that's made of the channel, through the revenue that's made through the content. Now, why is he not doing the same thing as he did before? Why is he not taking this massive risk to find another thing which might be better? Well, that is because he's got a lot more to lose. And this is something which is, if you are self-employed, is something which is a massive burden, where it's like, um, this is something which I've come to understand like in the last year, where the difference between being able to like work for a place and then come home and just don't have to worry about it between having to like make sure that the company stays afloat and having to make sure especially if you got people working for you that you don't make decisions that screw everything up which means that everyone that might work for you can be without a job that is something that sticks with you 24 7 because if you are the one that operates the thing then you can always work and I, what you see with creative fields like you probably will work as much as you want uh, as much as you can um, within what's reasonable sometimes within what's unreasonable however at that point if Mr. Beast were to go out and like do all the random things to like take huge risks and like find different series and just dropping everything that he has he will kind of like just break his entire channel his entire company down because like he's got a lot to lose so if he is, and this is what you see with Warframe channels as well, if you are to like like diversify your content or find something new or invest in something, you'll always hold on to something and make a safer bet than when you were all the way at the start. And that's what you see with Warframe. Warframe out here dropped everything they were doing, and when they started, they had put they they laid off they laid off half their staff, were on forty people, and started working on creating this game and creating this game as best they could and see whether whether it would work. Afterwards, they've tried to make two more games, which were um, 
um, Keystone and uh, Survive By. I I think Survive By is still running, but I haven't seen much of it. No, it's it's not running anymore. Survive By is gone. Survive By is gone. But those games haven't been successful, and it's like, well, why don't you do what you did with Warframe? Just like focus everything on that. Well, because then they might have to give up Warframe, or they have to like cut Warframe immensely. It's like they can't take that bet anymore because they now have something which is very successful. So yes, there are some bad choices where it comes to like Fallout 76 when it comes to Anthem I think they're they're like yeah you know that is not good but I don't think that especially when it comes to like if you if, if, you, if you look at like a game publisher if you look at like successful ones that have been successful of, of things that they've done in the past in the content creation field which is also gaming because gaming is also creative content you have no guarantee that you will be successful in the future so you will want to ensure that your company survives and you can pay out your people so taking the safe bet like i can understand it i don't think it's a great thing in the case of anthem and fallout 76 and i think it's a, it's a great great thing if we can pay out and support creative development and make games as good as they can be but I can also understand why they're doing the safe bet thing because you can't take 100% risk on everything. And I suppose this really kind of roundhouse comes back to, you know, um, are single player games dying is single player games aren't the safe bet. You know, it's easier to and safer to produce things that you know, are very likely to generate revenue than games that are, this could go wrong, you know? I yeah, no. I um, I agree. I think it has it also has to do with the market, the way that the market is situated right now. I think that back in the day, like if I, if I went to my classroom, like in high school and um, even like the later stages of primary school, people had Game Boys, people had Nintendos because that was the thing that everyone owned. So if you had a Game Boy, which pretty much everyone had, you had a Mario game because that was the thing to get, right? However, now Nintendo is releasing Mario games on the phones. Like you can get yeah. Mario Kart, which just released on your smartphone. And it's this game where you can... You can play Mario Kart while touching the screen. You can, like, play very quick, like, two-lap races. And um, you can get characters by buying in-game currencies. It's following this example of, like, Mario Kart is free. You can play, you play two laps, which is done in a minute. And then you can, like, spend money on microtransactions. Why you know do they about do... the 200cc thing, right? I have not gotten to that, but what is the 200cc thing? So the two hundred, uh, so the fastest speed in a Mario Kart game mm. is two hundred CC. The only way to get two hundred CC on for your car is to pay for a subscription. Damn. <laughs> yeah. But but like, that's the thing. I think if I go to like a high school class where I was in back in the day when everyone had Nintendos and Game Boys, I think barely anyone would have. A Nintendo, like in a, a, a DS, a 3DS. Maybe some would have Switches, but everyone would have phones. So creating a game, a Mario game for a phone is a way more like appealing option because you know there's a way bigger market there. Then you make it free because like, as we talked about, like people on the mobile market are way more prone to like buy free. They're for, for, way more focused on like, oh, is this free? If it's not free, I might not buy it. 
uh, might very likely not get it. Like, they were focused on free. So make a free Mario game on this device that everyone has and then, like, put microtransactions in it or a subscription service in it because, like, how else are you going to pay for it? And that's the result right now. However, what we had before, because these games on, like, a Game Boy or a Nintendo DS were without general Wi-Fi functionality and that was the mainstream thing, you would have a lot of single-player games because that was the thing that was being created. Now, if you want to have a single-player game, you're going to have to buy one, and you're probably going to have to buy one on a system, on a game console, which is not is far less becoming the mainstream because of phones. And then it's becoming more of an enthusiast thing. So I think that they will stick around, but I think it's something which is going to be far less, just like dedicated handhelds, because it's more an infusious thing than it was before. The casual market has moved on, which is very important. That said, I do really treasure them because I really, really love the closure of having, like, you buy a piece of entertainment that's just there to, like, entertain you in whatever way it does it and then give you closure at the end. Not a piece of entertainment, which this is really getting under my skin right now after so many years of doing it, is a piece of entertainment that's, like, motivated to get you to spend and keep on spending and keep on playing because that's at some point no entertainment anymore to me. No, I concur. Um, I think um, let's, let's come to the end of... Okay, so actually, let's answer the question. Um, are single-player games dying? Right? I, if, if they keep going... In this trend, I think there are going to be a lot less single-player games. But I do not think they will die. Mm -hmm. I think indie developers like uh, Motion Twin, who made da Dead Cells, will continue to exist. I think there will be niche titles like Nier Automata and Astral Chain that will continue to exist. I think Japan will continue to heavily produce single-player-esque games. I think, however, the West are more than likely done producing single-player games. I The only one that I can think of to mind is Psychonauts 2. Mm -hmm. um, there's supposed to be... Okay, so I'm just... I'm just brought them up on Google. Uh, there's um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, I think. Um, mm. That is a, supposed to be a 100% single-player only game. Um, Death Standing, that's um, Japan. Uh, Zelda Link's Awakening, that's Japan. I'd argue Pokemon is more of a single-player game than a multiplayer game. Um, regardless, that's Japan, Kingdom Hearts 3, Japan, Luigi's Mansion, more than likely, Japan again still. There are so many... Oh, Metro Exodus, I completely forgot about. I'm pretty sure that's single-player only. Hell, Wolfenstein, uh, Young Blood, that was a co-op game and apparently completely a disaster. Um, hmm. Untitled Deuce, uh, Goose Game, I'm pretty sure that was an indie product. There are so many games that are produced in... Okay, Bloodstained, Ritual of... Um, is it Mo Ritual of the Moon? 
Um, that was a single player game. Um, and I don't know how well that did, but I'm pretty sure that was in Japan. So mm. yeah, there, there, there's, but we've got things like FIFA 20, Borderlands 3, Apex Legends, Doom Eternal, the Outer Worlds. I don't know if Outer Worlds will be single player. Uh, Modern Warfare, uh, the the remake. Um, well, it's Mortal... in the yeah. in in the current climate. I think that multiplayer games are something that really thrive in this, and single player games not so much. Um, uh, the only thing that might make a change in this trend might be this Apple Arcade thing, because. Like, Google has been following along. Like, this is an interesting thing. Google has responded to the Apple Arcade thing, which the Apple Arcade is, as we said, you buy, you, you buy for $5 a month. You can share this with five people. So if you share it with five people, it's basically like $1 a month. You have this service where you can download exclusive games to the App Store, um, which don't have ads and don't have microtransactions. So they're just quality games. That's the idea. Google responded to that with the announcement of their own service, which does the same thing. Though they don't have exclusive games yet. It's just like you can download the games, but they won't have ads and they won't have microtransactions. So I don't necessarily know how this works. I don't think a lot of people know how this works because it's a very, like, I feel it's a response announcement. But they also continue, they also want to continue this out to more apps. So that you pay the subscription so you don't have all the garbage in the apps. If that becomes a somewhat general trend where people are kind of sick of having ads in all their apps and ads in all their games and they actually like say okay well i'll do five bucks for for whatever for 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 the service where i can like get apps which are actually like quality apps or don't have the ads in them we could actually see that if people adopt that widespread developers might actually be focused on creating great single player experiences for a mobile device because like the great thing of having something like a mobile phone where you can just like without mobile network connections like on a plane have it around play a game turn it off talk to the flight attendant turn it back on and be back in it that is amazing i know a lot of people would like it but it's it's something which we have to hope for and like we've seen this with when it came to like video entertainment where youtube created a massive threat for like the quality entertainment video industry where they like you know how much time they spend on creating a movie, which is like an hour and 30 minutes or two hours long. It takes months to create something like that. And then we create this podcast right here. That's two hours long. That's about as long as a movie. So we compete with a Hollywood movie. If you watch us, you didn't watch a Hollywood movie. We beat them with way less production value. That's a huge blow to them. However, around that time also Netflix came up. And because people adopted Netflix paid their monthly subscriptions all of a sudden netflix had so much money that they could produce netflix originals which were actually generally very good well-made series so i think that that might be the only thing that can change the environment in which single player games might be on the rise again i don't think they'll completely die as you said they will never completely die but in the current trend also she said it will most likely like fade more because multiplayer games are more favorable in this climate yeah, I mean, I I honestly find it surprising that a lot more game developers don't... Oh, so I'm just going to point out, um, people, ask us questions. You know, uh, this is going to take 30 seconds to hit them, but, you know, please feel free to ask questions, and we'll hopefully answer them when you ask them, mm-hmm. if at all. Please ask questions. Right, so one thing that I think that a lot of game companies could do better with 
mm-hmm. is adopting the the model of Warframe, right? In terms of production. Single player games, I don't think they can be produced the same way as Warframe does. I mean, look how little plot there is thus far in Warframe, mm-hmm. right? But with the success of Warframe, if not all the resources are being poured into Warframe, one thing that could be done is the, um, the profits of Warframe could be used to produce the right single player. I don't right? necessarily agree. You don't? No, because like I would agree with you if Warframe did extremely well. And they were like like it was a smooth if we're smooth waters. I don't think they are though. It's like I do think that they're being that, that their model is very profitable. But if I look at over the years the way that they produce and release content, it's a very like it's still a big struggle for them to release content. It's not really like on time things are often delayed we see more delays than than we see things being surprisingly early and i think that if you had the resources to continue to produce warframe with the same quality and have the resources to like create this perfect single player game then warframe without having that single player game initiative right now would be able to produce railjack way quicker or would be would would have a bigger content drop before i think that like right now maybe because of like the amount of profit they're getting maybe the way that they they organize it maybe they have something behind behind the scenes that they're working on which is which is way bigger which we don't know nothing about but it's not go it's not smooth sailing like i don't think that they can handle or as they, as they are right now to produce this single player game that, that you're talking about because it's it's not really going smooth over the past few years no i i get what you're saying Right, their content releases are getting more grandiose, and they're taking a lot longer to produce. Mm-hmm. I get exactly that. Hopefully, with something like Empyrean, we'll actually have a formula or a feature or something that allows the player base to be somewhat somewhat reinvigorated in development. Uh, sorry, in, in playing it. So maybe they could, as part of the background of changing the engine and things for Imperion, it could lead to um, you know, more Warframe events. It could lead to easier production of new environments. It could lead to a lot. We don't know. The problem that you have too rightly pointed out is that with um, the duration in which they take to release a very ambitious update it negatively impacts the the reception of the game without it yeah and and i also feel that during these months like that they're away which has been a long time since fortuna I think that they're almost all of their development team is working on the next big thing. If they had a game like Warframe, I do have to give it to you. I do think that Warframe's model is something which more games should adopt. I I've, I strongly believe in in having like if you want to sell a game for sixty dollars, sell it for sixty dollars to me. That should be it. If you want to like get as much money as you can for your microtransactions, don't sell it to me for sixty dollars. I think yeah. that the way that Warframe does it is great. That being said, I don't think Warframe is the 
end all be all money maker oh, that they're yeah. so that they're like oh we have all the fortune that we can do now that, that we can do whatever we want with now because if they could like they probably would be able to like have half a team work on work on like empyrean and moving things away and another half a team to be working on things in the meantime which they can't right now or like maybe they can but they're not doing but even so like i don't think it's it's doing that well <laughs> seeing the way that like it does right now no, I do agree, and like, I, I, I actually, you know, I had this debate with Loz because I was talking about maybe um, we should do Loz and I should do another podcast because mm. not, you know, not ditch ten o'clock. Ten o'clock would still keep going, but an additional podcast that covered another game because the problem is, where how much longer is it going to be until? where we don't see an update to warframe for a year yeah right you know is it is 2020 gonna be the year where there is no major league content for warframe and i'm talking major league as in um an empyrean or a cinematic quest mm -hmm. or a because they're currently working on we're on a year uh, now no we're not because i count i personally count the Jovian Accord as Major League content. Right? That, was, that is my opinion. That was, that was the Ropa Lotus, right? Yeah, that was April. Yeah, I, I don't count it. I, I think it was a good update. I don't think it was in part with something like the Sacrifice or Fortuna. And I think that the last major update was Fortuna that that we're closing in a year. And we might but go if over we, it. But if we... Oh, no, we will then. Right, there, there's no doubt about it. Uh, for, we will for, go. For Tuna was November. Yeah, uh, but um, if the the last major league content update, right, from Fortuna was, was or Valis sacrifice uh, for yeah. I I don't count the sacrifice. No, there was nothing to do after the sacrifice came out. That's right. You got Umbra. That was it. You didn't even have to level Umbra. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That was weak. That, that was weak. Uh, however, I. They got away with it on my end because, like, it was in the line of like the trilogy of cinematic quests. It was a weak entry, though. But yeah, if mm, if I see where you're coming from, so that's that's why I do count. Uh... I, I I I think you're giving them a little bit of slack then, if if that's if that's gonna be like, oh well, you know, because sacrifice wasn't so great, and we counted that because that that was the first one. And I mean, it's your opinion. Fine, like yes. not to criticize, but yeah. like just to put just to point out, like where we're, we're cutting sacrifice some slack because, it, like for me, I cut it slack because like it's the third entry. All right, fine. And then it's like, oh, but that was that that wasn't so much. So we can also count this. It's like, yeah, then we can then I can kind of start counting everything. But yeah, no, like I get where you're coming from, especially like with your podcast where it's like about reoccurring topics within Warframe. If they don't release something for over a year, that's gonna be tough. I've dropped the lead to my drink. <laughs> right, so yeah, no, so we are talking about expanding out, and he, you know, he was turning. I said to him, like, you know, how long is it going to be before there is a, a solid year and there's no major league? And I will point out that there are good things coming out of the big stuff that they're doing, right? Because we only got the sacrifice, uh, sorry, uh, sanctuary onslaught because of the technology that they had put into the engine for the open world stuff. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, hopefully 
we can get some more cool stuff from um, the uh, the launch of Empyrean. Hopefully, it is enough to allow them to do a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that's a. I think I think we're done for this yeah, episode. Yeah, close on. Yeah. All right. Uh, and I I want you. I want the pair of us to suggest a single player game that we have not mentioned thus far and then we'll sign out and we'll actually push it to uh, another I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn like I've started playing it in this uh, uh in the summer uh, mm-hmm. really nice really enjoy that like I think when it comes to like we have praised Nintendo, but I think PlayStation 4, Horizon Zero Dawn, Spider-Man, God of War. I haven't played those those other two games, but they look really good. I am frantically trying to find uh oh, actually sort by not last played, but hours played. Um trying to find a game that really jumps out to me that oh wait can i filter by single player all right you find it i'm gonna like wrap it up so yeah overall um i really enjoyed today's framecast um i think it's a really big like market chip thing um I, i'm gonna talk more about like the playstation feed that there's a video coming up around that uh an insight video around that because i think it's really sad that this thing went away but i think that this demise also came with the decline of single player games it's something though that i have only recently started missing because the multiplayer thing is really enticing there's a lot of benefits to it but there's also a lot of benefits to the single player side of things which might which i feel i've overlooked for a long time while being so encapsulated by the magic of the internet which wasn't there before have you found your games yes um oh actually hold on let me let me let me quickly double check. Um, I think I know what game I'm going to choose. And it is. And uh, it's going to be Abe's Odyssey. Mm. Yeah. So I absolutely love that game. When I was younger, I actually picked it up again not so long ago. And... Yeah, I I think it is. I'm just quickly double checking. Must double check. Um. Oh. No, I'm changing my mind. Well, you can add another. <laughs> Space Marine. All right. Absolutely brilliant game. Space well, Marine. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for watching this week's framecast. If you have any, too. if you have any recommendations. No, I if you have any recommendations for topics, feel free to leave them down in the comments and chat or wherever you're listening this on. Um, be sure to check this out on Tuesdays where we're streaming this thing live on Twitch.tv slash Misha Postma. Make sure you check out the Framecast highlights on YouTube.com slash Xenogalleon. And make sure you check out Patreon.com slash Xenogalleon. And uh, to piss him off a little bit less because I know he's throwing up mean looks, I started Patreon too. So check out Patreon.com slash Misha Postma as well. <laughs> yes. You, everyone do that. Do that.